This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. All is good. We are back. It's been four months, four months, four weeks out without an episode, but we are finally back. And you know, we've probably chosen the worst four weeks to, to actually miss doing the podcast because it has been a continuation of this upward trajectory. Of course, we're going to be talking about all things Luton Town, which I uh, guess we start with Blackpool at home a game where you know it was a lot going on and here to start dissecting it with me I've got Dylan Bundia and Stephen Day. Dylan how are you getting on? Yeah I'm good mate I'm good I think you've just um, summed up exactly what we don't know about our injuries at the minute is it four weeks or is it four months who knows who knows 100% that's a a very good summary of it we just do not have a clue at the moment and uh, Stephen how about you, mate? How are you getting on? Not too bad, not too bad. You? Yeah, I mean, it's okay, I guess. Um, it's weird. I don't really know how to feel at the moment with the playoffs because I'm happy. I'm happy for another season of championship football. That might, I might get a load of stick for that, but the promise of Premier League football is, is, is amazing. It's just one of those sort of good situations that if we don't get promoted... You know, it's not going to be uproar. It's not going to be um, not an unfortunate. It's Luton. Luton oh, fans. There will, be, there, will be, there will be uproar if we don't get... There'll be people calling for Nathan's head if we don't get promoted at this point. <laughs> you just know it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably speak for myself when I say that then. But we'll, we'll go into that Blackpool game again, leading on from Cardiff. There was a few injuries going into that game. Another couple picked up and... I know injuries have been a common theme of a lot of championship clubs this season, but ultimately when you've got as many players out and you know the, the unpredictability of what kind of squad we're going to get each week, 
to be continuing to pick up points, I guess the overall feeling is is one of a good good feeling. Yeah, it was a really good point. I think um, obviously the performance wasn't as strong as we would have liked, and I think Naismith and, and Snodgrass said that after the game that it, it wasn't quite what we wanted. But at the end of the day, it's seven points in nine. You know, unbeaten in three. And at this stage of the season, who cares? As long as you're picking up points and, and we're in a really strong position, you know, who cares? Seven points out of nine is a is a brilliant return with, with the number of injuries that we've got, as you say. You know, Naismith in midfield, uh, no Bree, so we're going to play Kyoso and, uh, you know, Potts in the back three. You know, we, we, we've got a lot of injuries at the minute and it's tough. So a point at home to follow up two, two wins in a row, it's as good as it gets for me. And Stephen, we're talking about the perfect start here. We're 1-0 up inside two minutes. And at that point, you start to think, OK, we're going to really turn up here. And it could be one of those games that, you know, defy expectations once again and go on to sort of win quite convincingly. But Blackpool are a very good side. Um, I don't think the, the table gives it gives them as much credit as they perhaps should have this season. Um, Neil Critchley doing an amazing job. And they... they ultimately caused us a lot of problems yeah i i agree with you, with you on that that the table doesn't really do them justice and i didn't think it was going to be an easy game even after we scored the first goal i was thinking i almost can't see us going on to win this because we are tired the players are exhausted and the injuries we've got as we'll keep on saying today um just you know, it it's put us in a difficult position where even if we are leading a game, it's so hard to keep a hold of it because the players are just they are as I said they're they're exhausted. Um, but I I think it's a point gain towards getting playoffs, and I wouldn't have said there's two points dropped because other than the the stupid decision from the linesman in the ninety third minute. Um, I didn't think we deserved a win, really. Um, Blackpool are a good side, as you said. And in reality, looking at the last three games, as Dylan said, seven points is brilliant. And to be fair, if you'd have said, we'll take seven points from those three games and we won again, you know, and we would win against Blackpool um, and drawn with Sheffield, drawn with Nottingham Forest, you would have been the hand like you would you would have taken that <clears throat> nine times out of ten. So I think the win against Forest is actually was better for us than you know saying beating Blackpool and drawing against um, Forest. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. Just not happy with the decision from the the officials. I guess when thinking about to the last podcast we done many moons ago, it seems now. But we were speaking about our running. We were thinking, okay, um, the first game against Millwall was going to be tough. But you would have thought if we were to win two games of our first five back since that that um, international break, you wouldn't have thought it would have been Nottingham Forest and Cardiff away, a place that we well, a game we haven't won in the the five attempts up until that point. We're not doing things the easy way, are we? It's Luton. No, nope. never the easy we way. We never do. We're Luton Town. <laughs> we'd never do it easy but as you say like you know we've played Peterborough who uh, are now relegated obviously and have probably been the poorest team in the division um, them and Barnsley and we you know we drew to them 
we drew to Millwall, but we'd beaten Forest and we'd beaten Cardiff away. And probably we had a much stronger squad for the Millwall game, for the Peterborough game, than we did for Forest or Cardiff. Um, so as always, nothing really makes sense with us, but we're brilliant and we're getting results and we're in the playoffs and life is good. So let's keep it going. And hopefully, hopefully with this, what is it, a nine day gap between games now, we can get a couple more back. Because if we, if we get a couple more back, you know, at cent- may hopefully Burke at centre half, then we're actually okay. Because you look at our bench on on uh, against Blackpool when we had Lansbury, we had Jerome, and we had Hilton. So if we can just get a couple more back, that will be enough. Especially with, since it's only three subs anyway, so it's very difficult. You know, the, you know, you only need to make three changes. So hopefully we can get a few more back in in the eight or nine day gap between games. Yeah, and we, we were speaking about it there. We we've given a lot of initial credit to Blackpool, the way they set up, the way they play under um, Neil Critchley, but sort of targeting a, a, a few of their players that, that really impressed me. I think the front two throughout gave us some, some big problems. Um, Gary Medine, you know, a, a experienced championship forward that completely uh, displayed that throughout the afternoon. Jake Beasley, who, you know, um, on the sort of flip side of things, hasn't had too much championship experience in his career. Both, you know, phys- physically there and giving us our sort of makeshift defence a bit of a run around in, in certain aspects of the game. Keshi Anderson was one that stood out for me. Just always seemed to find the pockets, and um, there was a ball he played so effortlessly in the second half, and I just thought, you know, that that is Premier League quality right there, and the fact. That he comes from, um, I think he's from Barton or, or somewhere very local. That that makes me think that, you know, one day we might get to see him in a Luton shirt, a player I do like. And he, he definitely showed that he has the ability to sort of take on those responsibilities. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, Blackpool, a credit to themselves. I think Neil Critchley hasn't got any of the, cre- the, the deserved credit that, that, that he deserves for the job he's done at Blackpool. Um, as you say, you know, Blackpool, they set up very differently to, to how they normally do with Beasley and Medine. Um, it's not something that they've done this season, I don't think. Um, yeah, I'm a massive fan of Beasley and, uh, in League Two with Rochdale. I didn't think he'd come straight to the Championship, but it's really good to see him him doing well. And they went a bit more direct than usual, I think. They they, they knew that because we pressed so high, because we're so aggressive, that, that they were going to pick Beasley and Medine for set plays, obviously for defending set pieces, but also they could go a bit more direct and, and it worked. You know, we struggled a little bit to to handle them. And when we won the ball back, I think that back three, Potts, Bradley, Lockyer, is probably in, in terms of ball playing ability, ball carrying ability, is probably our worst back three in that sense. You know, if, if you have Burke and Naismith on the sides of that, it's a very different dynamic. So we just struggled a little bit to get our foot on the ball and, and play quality forward in, in forward areas a little bit but um, you know it, it's not that's not a, a criticism or anything you know it, it's, it, it's the championship we're not going to be at it 100% every single game it's a good point against a very good team who I think as, as NJ said after the game you know they haven't got loads to play for at the minute which is a, a, a credit to them for, for what they've done this season so they can come here and play with that freedom and, and desire and with n- nothing much to lose so yeah, credit. It's important we credit Blackpool um, for what they did as well because I thought they were they were very very good. As you say, very well disciplined. Um, went a little bit more direct, as we said. Um, but also, you know, relentless. The front two were. Um, they're not just physical front men that look to to 
win their their aerial duels and their offensive duels. They're, they're players that work hard and you know do get in behind as well. Especially Beasley looks to get in behind with with his you know relentless nature and, and running in behind. Um, looking at Black uh, Blackpool a little bit further as well. Um, they're a solid defensive unit as well. They've proven that this season and just going into the next campaign, they, they probably will look to add um, this season. The sort of theme of their recruitment has been not too many players that have had championship experience and looking at some of their targets already, they look like a side that are going to do sort of a, a similar kind of thing. So I guess we can sort of expect Blackpool to sort of have a similar rise to us in Coventry in that respect, in terms of in their second and third seasons, you can sort of, at this point, maybe expect them to keep progressing up the Football League pyramid. Yeah, I, I can't see why not. Um, as you said there, they've got the ability to rise like we have and like Coventry have. And I don't see them finishing in the uh, the bottom half of the table next season. I see them finishing probably bang on mid-table, if not a bit higher. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, if this season's anything to go by, and if Coventry's first season back in the championship is anything to go by, then you know they will be they will be ambitious about what they can achieve next season. Um, one co- well, one one thing that that I think we have to talk about is Harry Eisted in goal, and in in the lead up to the game, there was um, a link with with um, Stoke goalkeeper Frank Fielding, Nathan Jones then criticised um, the fact that you cannot bring a Premier League loan goalkeeper to the club. Um, so it did seem that it, it, we did try to get somebody in, but in the end, it wasn't feasible. So Eisted stepped up and kicking wasn't the best at points, but ultimately, all in all, I think it was you know a, a good enough performance, a solid performance and can he cut it at the championship at a championship level more regularly? Hopefully, because um, he's going to be playing. And if we do get into the playoffs, then you know he'll be our number one, which is you know well well done to him. I mean, he's looked fine in, in the games he's played in. Um, you know, Chelsea, he had some big big saves to make, and he made them. Um, Cardiff commanded his box well. Same with Blackpool, you know, and Blackpool would have targeted him. They would have picked Medine and Beasley as well, and thought. Let's get it in the box from set pieces. Let's put it in the six-yard box and let's test this, you know, young young keeper or inexperienced keeper who's never played in the championship before. Um, and he handled it. He handled it well. Um, so well done to him because that takes a lot of. He's you know he's he's been around for a long time, but without ever really playing. And I know the situation in the summer was you know we said to him go and find a go and find a, a place to play, and if if nothing works out, then come back and be our number three. So to now throw him into a championship playoff campaign um you know he's got to handle that expectation and that pressure but well done to him because he has so far he's, he's stepped up to the plate um and, and been fantastic and hope and, and i think i think massive in that is the kind of trust that a lot of the players say they have in him because they've known him for a very long time um you know he knows those players so there isn't that pressure of a new keeper coming in and having to impress a bit like alex palmer where they have to try and build that trust already they trust harry eisted and that's that's so important, and they know him. So, well done to him, and and hopefully, hopefully, he can just carry on ticking away and and get us into the Premier League. I think part of me feels like at this point we need to either get in 
an emergency loan keeper now or we need to stick with Isted because their trust there, as you were saying, Dylan, they've got the trust in him. But you've got to think if we bring a, an emergency loan keeper in now, they've got to settle before we get into the playoffs. Obviously, there's a very short time to settle and you've got to bring in someone that probably knows the playoffs. But I think, you know, well, yeah, it's it's either that they bring in someone now or it's Isted for the playoffs. And I, I mean, personally, I, I would hate to put Isted in that position, but at the same time, I think it would do him and his career so much to to actually get the experience of you know being thrown completely in the deep end um and i think we'd all have to see it because he's been with us for so long um and it'd be so lovely to see it work out for him and every now and again i look at him in goal and i think bloody hell the goal is about 12 times the size of him but other than the penalty on saturday he he played well like as he said kicking wasn't great but I think he's got to get into it. And I think against Chelsea, he it was almost like there was no pressure on him because it was just kind of a free hit. There was nothing to really worry about. If we lost, we lost. We lost against Chelsea. They're champions of Europe. But uh, Saturday, it's, it was a hell of a, a different story because we're not confirmed playoffs yet, but we're nearly there. We need to get over the line. And I think... That was probably playing over his head. And if he makes a mistake, um, especially if he tried to take some touches and play better balls than what he was doing and trying to pass it out, it would have been a hell of a lot worse for him. So I think even though his kicking wasn't great, it was probably best that he was just getting the ball out of out of his area and out of our half because you know if he made a mistake, then that would set him up horribly for the, the next few games. I do want to slightly retract what I said about his kicking because I do I, I do remember sitting there on Saturday thinking some of the balls back that our defenders played to him, I thought, you know, you're not helping our, our relatively inexperienced goalkeeper out at all. And just on his performance, completely shot-stopping ability, the sort of commanding of his box, it was all there. And, you know, he's a, he's he's still at Luton for a reason. And, you know, I think he's proven that. Of course, he hasn't seen necessary game time but with the development squad in terms of consistently being within the first team environment in terms of what people say about him he just seems to be one of those good eggs that's also a a talented footballer a talented goalkeeper so yeah I think the Luton fan base will have faith in him of course it's a situation that that makes you feel nervy because you know you're going into perhaps the playoffs playing your third choice goalkeeper but it's not as bad as it sounds, if that makes sense, but given what he has shown already in Luton Colours and, you know, the, the trust that is evidently there uh, in him from Nathan Jones, from the rest of the squad. And yeah, it's just one of the, one of those situations we'll have to wait and see how it pans out because I, it gets to a point where you don't even trust that Eisted will stay fit because of the disastrous nature of, of our goalkeeping department. I think QPR have had something similar, but I, it's just unheard of before as many injuries in within a goalkeeping department it just doesn't make sense that was that was my only reservation with with keeping with Eisted is no problem with his ability whatsoever but if he goes down 
then we have got a keeper on the bench who, as NJ said, just isn't ready. You know, it would be crazy to for what was it James James and Jameson Horlick to be thrown into the championship in a you know in the midst of a playoff campaign. That is the only drawback of not getting an emergency loan. Is at least we know with an emergency we have Iced there for security on the bench in case something happens. Um, and I wouldn't put it past us for something to happen given what's going on at the minute. But at, at the same time, it's probably if, if Iced stays fit, there's no problem at all. I think I think we're fine. If Iced gets injured, then we're in trouble. And I think then yeah, I don't. I, I, it's best we don't even think about that. To be honest, Iced is going to stay fit. He's going to get us to the prem. Done. <laughs> If it's Kev Dearden as well, isn't there? I mean, I think <laughs> we could register Kev Dearden, that'd be good. <laughs> no, no, Kevin Pilkington as well, right? He's on the oh, side. yeah, of course we do. Yeah, he's probably that's a bit it. more recent. You know what? We'll get Kevin yeah. Pilkington in, goal. yeah, that's decent. Say that's a little bit of a more youthful option, yeah. I think that's uh, on it's a very good call. on our goalkeeping situation. Thinking about it, we haven't really had one goalkeeper that has been in there consistently since Mark Tyler like when he was fit he was always first choice but since then you've got to think we've had Stetch we've we've had obviously James Shea has been in here for what since 2016 I think it is 2017 and he's been consistently in the squad and you know played a good 20-30 games a season but it's it does bother me that we haven't had that one goalkeeper that we can put trust in. And I'd hope that if all goes well with Isted at this moment, he can be the sort of person that grows into that role. Uh, the thing is, we had the thing with Shea, Shea is probably our best one because we've had him since we had him for the entirety of the League One promotion campaign, pretty much because Stet, Stet got dropped after three games. After the Peterborough game, he got dropped. Um, and then, yeah, we had, we've had Walton, we've had Stuart Moore, uh, we had Matt Macy, then we had uh, Steck, Shea, uh, Sluger, and then this season. So yeah, I think with Shea, Shea was important in League One. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying he was, that he's, he's been our most permanent goalkeeper, I think. He's not important, but I think it just worries me that we have since and Tyler we haven't had that one person that we know is going to be in there consistently every season and I think that is probably the one thing that Jones whether we go up or stay down that's the one thing that we need to sort out permanently I think that'd be like we're a bit off of track of you know the current topics really because it's a you know a summer sort of topic but I think we we do need to have someone that we know and trust and is going to be in there, whether that's Shay or not. But I kind of can't see him being first choice goalkeeper next season, and whether we're in the Premier League or Championship. Yeah, well, he's, he's done his ACL, hasn't he? So well, he's, he's yeah. going to be out for nine months. So, which is really sad because what a what a bloke, what a goalkeeper he is. Yeah, um, gutted for him because he deserves to he deserves to play in this in this playoff campaign. He's been first class, you know, stepped in, accepts being on the bench and being the number two, but steps in and does an amazing job every single time he comes in. Um, you know, just indicative of a top, top pro. Um, so I'm devastated for him because he deserved he deserved this at the end of the season. Um, but hopefully look, he gets back fit and, and he's ready for next season at some point. Um, but I'm gutted. I'm gutted for him. Yeah, we all are. 
And Dylan, you, you mentioned it there. You mentioned the, the cursed name of Stuart Moore, uh, who funnily enough was the substitute goalkeeper for Blackpool on Saturday. And just seeing him walk across over Luton versus Blackpool fixture, um, yeah, it gave me some pretty bad deja vu. But as you say there about James Shea, um, obviously signed a new contract as well now, which you know comes as, as a, a big boost because I feel that I come under the category that that's probably doubted him at times in the championship, and that's with him without him playing too much. Um, that that that's probably sort of spurred on the fact that he was for for a large point of the season he was well of the first season he was playing deputy role too. Simon Sluger, we didn't see too much of him. And then you think if you're going to progress as a club, um, does your number two come in and do that kind of things? But he has. He's come in and you know played regularly. Uh, kick in for me. He's got so much better. His distribu- overall distribution, uh, shot stopping ability has always been there. But James Shea, yeah, I've been. He's been one of the most impressive um, rises, I think, um, people saying this season about James Bree and how he's continued success and um, how he's sort of one of the most most improved players in the championship. But I just think that that James Shea continues to go to new levels. I still don't, I don't know if he gets the full backing of the support in terms of if he had an opportunity to to sign a, a decent championship goalkeeper, would you take Shea over them? Is this I don't really know that, but he's done a very good job. I think that's the the long winded point that I'm trying to get to. Hundred percent. I think I think the way that the club have handled his injury just shows what an incredible club we are. Because so many clubs, when a player does their ACL, they would not go near him with a contract, and they would think, right, how can we how can we cut our losses? How can we protect our assets? Blah blah blah. We've literally given James Shea a new contract as he's done his ACL. And I think that just shows the kind of club that we are in terms of how we look after players, the care we have for them. They aren't just assets. They're people with families, you know, who settle in the area, who care, who have feelings. And and, and when you make players feel like the club cares about them as people and not just as assets, that that's when you create something really good. And that that's a massive contribution to the culture, to the feeling around the club, to the buy-in. In, in every essence because if you're James Shea's mate and he's just done his ACL and you see that we've given him a new contract straight after that because that was the plan anyway we could have easily just withdrawn it and said no we're not going to do it you know if you're James Shea's mate teammate and you see that happening you know that this is a club that you could, that cares about you as a player and and then when you feel like that as a player you will then go out onto that pitch and you will give everything for the club because you know that the, the manager the, the CEO the staff the fans, they all have your best interests at heart. And that's incredible. You know, I thought it, it, it was incredibly moving to see that because it's just amazing the way that, that we treat our, our players. Um, and it's so important to what we are and how we punch above our weight. Um, so he deserves, and he deserves it. He's a, a top, top pro. Um, but, you know, all the best to him. I hope he, he's able to recover. There's no complications with ACLs. You know, they're complicated. Um, and hopefully we can see him back, back playing soon because he's a, He's a great keeper and a, and a great person for the club to have. And to be fair, I think that comes back to our recruitment as well. They recruited so well in getting someone like James Shea in because if you if you're in a position to obviously I should think the contract was put you know was in the works before he did his ACL, but and 
the thing that they, you know, they're not going to, they haven't withdrawn it, obviously. And they've recruited so well that they're like, look, we trust you. We want to get you back fit, you know, after, you know, when, when, when you can get back after your ACL and we've got full trust in you to come back. And, you know, here's this contract we're going to give you anyway. It's, it's, it shows how good our recruitment is that we can give a player that option after they've, you know, got on a horrible injury, which can be a career ruiner for a lot of players. 100%, yeah. I think it's a, a very underrated moment, as, as Dylan says there. It just shows the class within the club. It shows uh, an indication to how brilliant the culture is around the club as well. And, you know, for, for people for players now coming to the crunch end of the season for, for people looking for a next move and believe it or not, not everybody in a transfer move is, is looking at the best uh, financial deal for them. They'll be looking for a, a culture, um, a, a club that goes by things the right way to, to further their football career. And I think that's something we've placed ourselves in a very, very good position by being that, that club that, you know, is, is dependable, that, that has, all these sort of moralistic um, views to everything. So yeah, I guess in that way as well, not not that we do that for those reasons. It's just the way we are. It's the way we run. I think we're reaping the rewards of, of being run that way. We'll have to end it on more of a sour note, but we're going to speak about that, that goal that never was in the end. And, you know, three points, it could have been three points. And that's the only reason why probably in this podcast we're thinking, Oh, we should have won because, as we mentioned before, Blackpool were very good. But when you have a decision like that go against you, it, it does hurt. I'm so frustrated for Musque. I'm so frustrated for that guy because he, he he came on, he impacted the game, he did all right. You know, he was carrying. We needed to make that change a little bit earlier. I thought, um, just go to a front three, out of possession, just spread it a bit because their fullbacks were getting quite a lot of space. But in possession, just an extra runner as well. And I thought he impacted the game really well. He hasn't played in a very long time. So to come on and do that, well done. And then he would have got that goal. And and then maybe we've got an option there for the, someone with real confidence going into the end of the season who can come on and impact a game. You know, he's not going to start, obviously, unless continue on the injury front. But there's someone who can impact the game. And I was devastated for him. Devastated because he came on, impacted the game and could have scored the winner in a game where, you know, we probably didn't deserve to win it. Um and it would have been a massive boost, not just for us in the playoffs, but for him. Uh, so I'm gutted. I'm gutted. I'm angry. Um, it was a fair result, but it, oh, I, I can't believe that. I, I just don't believe that. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, it, yeah. I, I don't want to say any more about it. I don't. I just don't get how we can come out and say that the linesman has apologised for, or, or supposedly apologised for it, and. There's almost no accountability after that. Like he's apologised. Fair enough. You made the wrong decision, but why isn't the referee overturning that decision if he didn't think it was correct? I don't know if he thinks that or not, but he obviously went with that decision. I, I, I think that this is obviously, you know, a very in the moment. What am I saying? It, it's very relevant now. And it's something that probably you wouldn't think about when it doesn't happen. But I think there needs to be more accountability from the FA because it that sort of thing shouldn't be happening. And I go back to, you know, when Accrington in League Two 
scored a goal. They were, I think, like, funnily enough, Trevor Kettle uh, blew the whistle just as Accrington scored and said that the goal didn't count. And they ended up missing out on promotion, automatic promotion by two points or a point, which that goal would have got them. And it was like a either a half time or full time. Like, there was just no accountability there. And, like, there's so many things that happen in a season where, you know, there there are big things that happen. And if we if we lost out on playoffs by a point or something or two points, we'd be fuming. And they're, it's obviously easy to say right now. I think that's what I was trying to go to a minute ago. Like I say, it's easy to say right now, but it's something that just does need to happen. There needs to be some more accountability from the FA. See, see, I, I don't agree. I, I think... I don't know. I just think it's not visible accountability. I think that's what you mean. I think behind the scenes there's accountability because these refs they have, you know, they'll have post game analysis. They'll have meetings. They'll, you know, they can be demoted. They can be put off fixtures. They'll be, you know, that ref will go to League One. I think when fans say there isn't enough accountability to, for referees, it's no. It's just you don't see it because what's the point in putting a referee out in public and having a go about them and saying and for the FA to say oh, this referee's, you know, we've had a go at him and whatever. It doesn't help anything. There's already a shortage of referees in football in general anyway. So we're just going to, you know, start airing them out in public and and, have, and berating them from as a governing body. No, they already get enough abuse as it is every week from, from fans, from coaches, from players. So there is accountability. We just don't see it because it happens behind the scenes. Um, so I don't have an issue with the accountability piece. It's just about the quality of the refereeing. Um, and and that's a that's a thing not just for the the top level of the game but for right from the bottom um, and and yeah you know I, I so I, I don't I don't agree with that I think it's more about that's more a visibility issue than an actual accountability issue I think in my opinion though I if there was more I, I don't agree with airing people out to you know dry after these things have happened like because you know on on mental health side they don't deserve that but at the same time. I feel like if there was more visible accountability, there'd almost be a bit more respect for referees if they could come out and say, say in public, like either in a press conference or like with an FA statement, so something saying like, look, I apologise for this decision. I, I can see now that I made a mistake and I, you know, I and the FA are looking at ways to, stop this issue from happening again and i don't i don't agree with like you know i I don't want them to be given abuse in public but i i want there to be something that can almost give more respect to referees and linesmen and officials because it's hard to respect them when obviously we as a fan I've, i've never got into the the refereeing side of football like in lower league football or i've never properly looked into and how it works within the football league and Premier League and everything. And obviously, I think you probably have seen more of it than what I have, Dylan. But I think there there's almost too much protection in regards to the accountability side. Like this thing, I don't I don't want people to be getting abuse. I don't the same as I don't want players to be getting abuse after a mistake. But there almost needs to be just a bit more better visibility. Of the accountability side, yeah, potentially. I think I think they do apologise to to coaches, and you know the FA will apologise and 
and you do see it as well they you know the FA will come out in a statement and say yeah the decision was wrong or something like that and I have seen that before so it's a difficult one I don't really know what more can be done apart from the root of it is just better quality refereeing um you know I, I think I think if you're coming out with statements every week it's just tiring and then everyone will get fed up of it anyway so I think it's just a it's just a discussion around around how can we better support referees how can we better train them from a grassroots to a normal standard and and if you do that then you know what then you won't need the accountability because it's it's not an integrity issue it's not a oh you know they're not doing you know they're not refereeing with integrity therefore they need to be accountable it's just a mistake so how can we just support them and make sure that they're better equipped to be to be better referees um you know in the long run i think that's just what needs to happen because i see it at all levels of the game um that i've been that I've, I've coached grassroots and and senior football and you know it's a mixed bag you get some really really bad referees and you get some really good ones as well so you know how can we support the ones that, that need that support i think is is what needs to happen um but hopefully hopefully on the bright side hopefully that doesn't have any impact on anything and we completely forget about it and Admiral Musque goes and plays with all the confidence in the world and goes and scores the winner in the playoff final and happy days um hopefully it doesn't impact anything um if that does happen by the way I think I might I, I, I don't even want to imagine what would happen in the stands at Wembley if that happens but um don't go near me is the is the thing because I might be a little bit incandescent I think to be fair like I I just I kind of want there just to be a better relationship between fans, players, and referees because I think I'm not making my point very clear or very well, but I I, I just wish there was better better accountability, better visibility on the accountability side, and better relationship so that players can almost respect and fans and you know everyone in a club like you know the, the coaches and the managers can respect the officials better when you can trust them better i guess that's what i want i want there to be a better trust that they're you know they're doing the best they can and all that because sometimes it's hard to see that when you're so emotional and things mean so much and that's kind of the point that i'm trying to get across is that like i wish there was a better relationship that we could have with officials because sometimes they get you know silly levels of abuse and human error happens it happens in every line of work it just so happens that this is a very emotional thing for fans and players and clubs and all that and it's just yeah i just wish there was better officials better relationship with officials and yeah as you say Stephen, it's a, a very visible job you're doing it in front of ten thousand people at Kenilworth Road. Imagine, you know, you're working at McDonald's and 10,000 people are watching over you, make sure you don't mess up the burger. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing being in the public eye. I think that's the, the main thing to take away from that. And the one thing that I'd say about Luton, I just don't think Elijah Adebayo gets enough protection from the referees. I know he's a physical forward. I know he's somebody that, you know, he, he's going to be targeted by defenders as, you know, we're going to try and nullify him. But, you know, he just doesn't get that protection that I see other front yet. I mean, in front um, of the main standing closure a couple of weeks ago, a player put his hand around Adebayo's neck and the referee saw it and said, 
like to the the player that had his hand around his neck but like, you had your hand around his neck but didn't really do anything about it it was like i saw that i think he gave a free kick happened again he didn't do anything about it and i'm like why didn't you card the player why didn't why why weren't you doing anything about that so yeah i agree that Adebayo needs more protection yeah it might just be a a, a biased thing towards you know a, a, you know mitrovic might get the exact same thing jokeresh and you know gary medin might all have similar things that obviously we don't see week in, week out, but watching Adebayo week in, week out, it might be, you know, a defender thing that you, you get the sort of the rub of the green being a defender and um, you, you're not as restricted as a defender, but it seems more common than ever this season. Adebayo hasn't been as protected as you would have liked, I guess. We'll go on to Fulham away because we've been rambling on. It's uh, It's fair to say. Um, we'll start with the fact that things, you know, could look very favourable for us even before a, a ball kicked. As we said, there's this this nine day wait until um, the Fulham game, nine games from our last game. But there's a lot of football to be played, a lot of um, big matches at the top end, sort of the playoff chasing teams all in action, and it could pretty much be done by then. I know it's it's not the most likely outcome, but it could be, and we go to Fulham all happy, and um, yeah, it's, it's one of those that is, you don't know how to think yet until these other games are played. Yeah, well, I think the situation is we we just need a point, don't we, from our last uh, few games. Now, that might not be the case if Middlesbrough win, because they've played one less game, but if, if Middlesbrough don't win, then we just need a point because Blackburn and Millwall are six points behind us. So if they drop points, then we're up anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's important to remember that, that we're in a really, you know, a really favourable position with a stronger goal difference as well. Obviously, with Blackburn winning 4-1, that um, that reduces the goal difference gap a little bit. Um, but all the pressure's on everyone else. So hopefully, hopefully someone slips up or a couple of them slip up like we need them to. Um, if not, you know what? I'd back us to get a point at Fulham. You know, I thought... In the midst of their strong run, you know, they've dominated the division this year. We played so well against them at home, got a 1-1, could have won the game, actually. Um, and I thought we equipped ourselves so well. Now, obviously, we had a much stronger squad at that point in time um, with, with less injuries and so on. But, you know what, I back us to go and get that point that we need um, that should, should, um, you know, sort it for us um, at Fulham. And if not, we'll, we'll get a point in the next one. But, I think we can take anyone on at the minute um, and just hopefully we have a couple more back fit um, and and we're able to just be in a bit of a strong position in terms of impacting the game later on. But I back us. I back us to get, get something at Fulham. Yeah, I, I forgot that Fulham were playing tonight against Forest because um, I, I was about, I was just about to say that um, I would love for us to uh, get or keep a clean sheet away at Fulham next week and stop them from getting against us get uh, stop them from getting their 100th goal but I guess that's probably very likely to happen tonight with Mitrovic I, I, it's probably like what 100% chance that he scores tonight because he scores every game he's just mental but yeah I I can't wait to fill him away just just from a, a personal perspective boat party a lot of us are going to be on boat parties Fulham away is always fun anyway. London away days, it's just gonna, I think it's just going to be a brilliant day out. 
And I've I've been saying for weeks now we're gonna confirm playoffs against Fulham. So I think that's how I think it's gonna go. We'll probably just need a point, or you know, we'll get a win and confirm playoffs, and we spoil their their party a little bit, but they won't care. I was going to say they're in a little bit of a similar position where you know the, the title could be wrapped up before that game as well. And if they uh, win tonight, you think of is the title wrapped up? Sorry? If they win tonight, probably ninety. Uh, I don't. I think they have to wait until well Bournemouth. Yeah. Have to, I think they have to wait. I mean, it will be. Yeah, they'll have to wait. Yeah, they'll have to wait, but it will be. Um, the goal difference will mean that. Fulham have basically got the title, yeah. so yeah, they might. But then they might have just given the trophy tonight. Like, yeah, we take that. We take that. We don't we'd have to clap them on as well? Or, yeah, that. but we could we could just sing while we're doing that. We'll see you all next year. <laughs> no, in all fairness, they have been a level above this season. Um, just listening to. Um, not the top 20 podcast as well. Um, there's sort of that that um, belief that they can go on and, and do quite well next year as well. I think that's definitely something they've proven this year. They have been a level above for the majority of the season. Of course, they have had their slip-ups. I mean, against us, we played a, a very good game and you know, we, we, we fully... Um, well, I, I, at the end, I think we, we could have maybe nicked it, but it was a top, top performance from us to get a, a point from Fulham. Um, they have been a, a very, very solid team this season, create chances out of nothing. And when you've got a player as good as Alexander Mitrovic, things tend to go your way. But it's also the creativity beyond, uh, just beyond them as well. Harry Wilson, Cabano, Bobby Reed, Fabio Cavallio, they've just all, the, the, the competition levels within that squad already has been massive. And you, you look at that squad and you don't really think that they're going to need to do too much in the summer to sort of prepare them for, for staying up um, staying up in the Premier League next year. Of course, there'll be a few additions. Um, Tim Ream, I'm not too sure if he'll be able to cope with the rigours of Premier League football once again, but you never know. You never know with them. Um, as you say, they've, they've got that sort of Norwich shitty reputation as well of, of coming up and, and coming back down for a season. But yeah, I think that what they've shown in the championship this season, I think warrants um, an expectation that they can stay up. Well, um, another thing that we need to look at um, with, with Fulham as well, they've, they've scoring goals for fun. Stephen said that they're nearing that 100 goal mark, but they've also got a very good defensive record to protect as well. And whilst it seems to be, it, it could be a game that doesn't mean too much, you know, Marco Silva is a very, very professional manager. He'll be continuing to try and um, keep his defence compact. As we said already, Mitrovic will be looking to score as many goals as, as possible to you know, make sure his record never gets broken. Um, so there's, there's as much as we want to say, oh, Fulham, you know, there's not much to play for should they be champions by then. There's these sort of individual incentives to go on and you know, finish the season very strongly. Yeah, uh, there's massive incentives for them. I think, you know, when you go, when you're so, when you're playing in a championship season, it's so relentless um, that when you do reach your goal, inevitably there could be some psychological drop off. Um, 
because it's, it's so psychologically intense to go week, you know, three game week, three game week. So when you do get there, you know, it's possible that there could be a little drop off. And, and if there is, then we have to we have to make sure that, that we can smell that and, and pounce on it. But, you know, regardless of whether there is any kind of psychological drop off there, you know, their whole 11, as you say, Billy, is, is stacked with talent and quality and Premier League quality. So, uh, you know, that's kind of irrelevant, really. And we will have to be at our best. But, you know, if, if the previous game is anything to, 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 to base on how it's going to go, there's no reason why we can't go there and, and get something from it, especially we've got a few more back. I think looking at Fulham as well, um, it's not just their starting 11. It's not just their sort of 18-man squad. It's not just their 25-man squad, their whatever. It's a, an academy that produces some excellent talents. We've seen with Fabio Carvalho, um, I think Jay Stansfield, another Stansfield, another player that seems to be coming through at an exponential rate. I think they've done very, very well in Premier League two as well. So, you know, even if they do try and, and play a few of their youngsters and um, give their, their more regulars a rest, they're still bringing in a, a serious amount of talent. And it's just not a squad, not um, nobody that, that plays in a Fulham shirt will, will be um, a, not a very good footballer is what I'm trying to say. They're, they're, they're going to be a talented, talented squad, whatever happens, whether they play a couple of 18-year-olds, whether they do play their, their full side with Mitrovic involved. But yeah, I think one thing that we can tell, it's going to be a, a very competitive game. And if we can go and get a point, if we can go out and put in a performance, then you know that, that will be a, a massive boost as we try and try and secure a, a playoff spot. And as you say, Dylan, psychologically, if we can go to Fulham and put in a very, very good result psychologically for us, as we, we try and um, get promoted out of this league, it, it's going to be a massive boost. And then the last order of business is Nathan Jones as the championship manager of the season. Um, I think reading a Nottingham Forest related report, fans of their club were not too impressed that Steve Cooper didn't get it. Um, I think there's also been calls for, for Carlos Corbrand at Huddersfield to, to get the uh, award, but it was eventually Jones who took home the prestigious award. And I guess from a Luton fan and, and probably the wider EFL, that has to be the right decision. Yeah, I obviously we're biased, so I think it's the right thing. But at the same time, when you look at budgets, Huddersfield have done a similar sort of thing. Um, they've had some smart recruitment. They've not really spent out of their reach this season. And both, I think the the, the top two for me were Carlos Corbran and, and Nathan Jones and I think just the way that we've we've gone about this season, the recruitment, the way we've played, the way we've not given up with our injuries as well. We could have easily rolled over and and lost momentum, but we've kept we've kept going. Nathan Jones has somewhat kept his head. Um and we've just we've I, I Sometimes I feel like we've just quietly gone about our business and just got the job done a lot of the time. And I think that's just testament to Nathan Jones and the squad. And we've not, we've been worrying about injuries, but we've not been crying about them saying, oh, that's why we haven't won this. That's why we haven't done that. We've just kind of got on with it and, and done what we've needed to do. And I think that's, that's just kind of shown. And I can't lie. I'm loving the Nottingham Forest reaction to, to Steve Cooper not getting it. Since since we beat them, they have been 
at us every week. Like the fans on Twitter, Facebook, I've seen so much stuff about them just constantly crying about about us and uh, our town and how awful it is and our awful club and our awful team and how we're an anti-football team. And I'm just like, just carry on. Carry on doing what you're doing. We're just going to get on with what we're doing and we're going to carry on being arguably the uh, the best club in the league. With the best manager. Best manager in the league, definitely. <laughs> yeah, as we say there, Cooper, a very, very good shout. He's had he's a tremendous, tremendous season uh, from, from considering how things were, were uh, seemingly shaping out there. Again, his ability to... to um, oversee the development of young talent it has been brilliant. Brandon Johnson has been phenomenal. Uh, Jed Spence as well has both risen to sort of unimaginable levels. Ryan Yates, I guess you can sort of put him just about in that category still, 24, but he's, he's really seemed to, to progress um, under his stewardship as well. Uh, Carlos Corbran as well, another very, very impressive manager. I guess you can draw a few parallels to, to what he has done. Um, you know, he's still a fair bit younger than Nathan Jones, and what he's doing um, makes him an exciting, exciting prospect as a, as a manager in the championship. And as you say, recruitment was was very similar in terms of not overspending what they can afford and, and picking up a, f- a few very, very good deals. And in terms of uh, freeze and um, the lower leagues as well. So yeah, it's um, it's definitely a close one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to say. Nathan Jones 100% deserves it. He was miles better than everybody. But I think, um, yeah, he just about has to pip it. And, um, yeah, it's been an incredible season. But that sort of leads us on as well to the the eventual team of the season. There wasn't any Luton players in it. And do you reckon there should have been? I mean, I guess the two you could maybe think about would would be Cal Naismith and, and perhaps Alan Campbell as well. I don't really know. Amari Bell has had a good season, but I'm not too sure about Anthony Robinson. Would he get in over there? But ultimately, I think it's probably the right decision not to have any. Yeah. No. I, personally, I would the only player that I would have put in there is, is Cal Naismith just because he's been consistently brilliant all season. Um, yeah, I, I think... Campbell, fair shout, but I don't think he's been one of the best midfielders in the league since the start of the season. He's he's had a good rise since. I think we we can kind of pinpoint that Blackpool away game was you know when we sort of really saw what he was about, and he's been brilliant ever since. But I wouldn't have put him ahead of anyone else, and um, really, uh, well, anyone else in that squad. So yeah, I think. Maybe Naismith should have been in there, but I'm I kind of I don't look at the team and think there's any real issues with it either. Yeah, the the only one I would say is who candidate for us would be would be Naismith maybe over Lloyd Kelly. I think Lloyd Kelly's been okay. He's he's been probably not quite as good as people would have expected, but he's been you know he's been one of the top championships in the in the league. But obviously with the players around him. You know that's a massive help with the talent he has either side of him. You know, playing with Gary Cahill and and Nat Phillips, you know, and all these very good centre backs. So you know it, it, that does help as well. So it's not unfair. The other thing I'd love to say as well is on the on the teams of the season, I love how they've all gone three four three. Every single one, League Two, League One, Championship, three four three. Just reflecting, you know, EFL trends. 
Forest Green, us. Uh, you know, so many teams now playing playing three four three. So, you know, we, we've moved away from the old four four two now. So, I love that. Absolutely love that. All of them were done like that. Too many good and wing our, backs in the EFL. And our future summer signing as um, one League One player of the season, Scott Twine. What Twine? Yep. He's, oh, he's we're not we're not getting Twine. Not oh, now. That, that's too expensive. Too expensive. No chance. Not, not with us in the Premier League. He'll he'll be our uh, he'll be our go to. <laughs> I I just won't respect any player that plays for that team. Oh, I I, I don't even want to think about them. I just want to see them. Not Jerome. not. Huh? Cameron Jerome. That's where we got Cameron Jerome off. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, he didn't play football before he uh, came to us. The team that he played for before that. That's where he came from to us. I don't. I, I. We don't. I don't respect them. No respect ever. I don't really know what's going on, so it's probably probably a good time to conclude. <laughs> well, a big thank you to the two of you for for joining me today. As I said, it's been a it's been a long four weeks, but a productive one for us Luton fans. And as we come to the end of the season, we should have some more exciting shows for you. As uh, we were mentioning off air, we, we've got some good ideas in the pipeline and um, award shows, award shows of our own, so we can start to do our own um, sort of verdicts on, on this season and give out our own awards. Um, and yes, make sure to check out um, us on socials. We are, of course, on Twitter as at Oak Road Hatter and on Instagram as Oak Road Hatter Pod. And until next time, we'll see you then. are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.